welcome to the Sauk Valley Spotlight Podcast, where we shine a light on the people and places of the beautiful Sauk Valley. In each episode, we highlight the hidden gems and untold stories of local businesses, community leaders, and the people that call the Sauk Valley home. I'm your host, Drew Williams, and today I'm joined by Tad Everett, the superintendent of the Sterling School District. Tad, thank you for coming to the show. Thanks, Drew. I appreciate you having me. So, Tad, can you just start off by just giving us a little bit of a snapshot? Who are you? Who do you love? Tell us a little bit of your story. Sure. Um, I'm an Illinois guy. Um, I grew up in central Illinois, a uh, great family, um, Midwestern family, small town, almost identical to Sterling, Charleston, Illinois. Um, I, uh, my, my young adult life was um, really defined probably by, by basketball. I was a high school and collegiate basketball player and, and uh, kind of defined my early life. And it was going to be where my career path was taking me. And, and, um, through the college and adult years, um, my path just, uh, ventured towards education and, and, um, mm. so, um, landed in, uh, Robinson, Illinois and, uh, was coaching and teaching there. And, and, uh, lo and behold, uh, not far away was, uh, was a girl by the name of Cindy Kibler. And so we met while we were teaching and that was, uh, uh, we got had our 25th wedding anniversary this past December. And, wow, congratulations. So, thank you. So um, we talk about who I love, my wife, Cindy, uh, amazing wife. Um, and we've had three children, uh, Zach, Caitlin, and Tyler. Um, they all three decided um, 16 months ago that it'd be a good idea um, that uh, they all three would get married in the next 16 months. So we just <laughs> had my youngest son, Tyler, two weeks ago, uh, he and Allie. Uh, were the third and final wedding of the last 16 months. And then the probably uh, great events. Um, yeah. I have phenomenal kids and, yeah. and phenomenal in uh, children-in-law. But um, my daughter and her husband, Trace, uh, who live in Buffalo, New York, <clears throat> excuse me, had our first grandbaby. Oh, so wow. Josie Marie was born November 6th. And we she's been a, uh, I truly say, a life a life changer. I, I did not anticipate uh, the grandparent hood, uh, yeah. phase of life being so enjoyable. Wow. And so, um, that's kind of the personal who I am. Um, other sure. than, uh, I am a strong faith-based, uh, person and, 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 um, but my professional life is, uh, been the superintendent of Sterling public schools for the last 15 years. Hard to believe it's been 15 years. Mm. Um, actually in a retirement contract as we speak, which is, um, really interesting for me because we're talking about um, what things we're trying to get done in the next uh, four to five years here. And okay. I have, I have loved, it's been a mission field for me. Mm. Um, feel really led and blessed to be in this position and, and uh, excuse me, have enjoyed uh, just about not every, but most, uh, yeah. most uh, moments of my professional career and, mm. and um, just have hired um, the only thing I feel I've done personally is just hire amazing people and support them and get out yeah. of their way. And they've done phenomenal things. So I'm excited to talk about, uh, living in Sauk Valley, living in Sterling, Sterling public schools. Cause I'm Absolutely. very, very passionate about it. Well, and I, I kind of want to, I want to talk a little <clears throat> bit about still, uh, so this last year and a half or so, um, bit of a whirlwind personally, <laughs> just a bit uh, on top of what I can only imagine being a whirlwind professionally as well, because I mean, education system being uh, hit and affected by COVID pandemic differently than many other sectors in our society. And so can you talk just a little bit about um, how did you navigate or what was kind of a little bit of the emotional journey over the last maybe two, three years that 
has led you to say, yeah, I'm still in it for the next four to five. Yeah. So, um, I, I go back, I was at the national superintendent conference in, in, uh, late, um, February, 2019. Okay. Um, and, um, is that right? 2009, no, it'd been 2020. Sorry. Um, two weeks before COVID hits. Yeah. And, um, my wife and I were there. It was, it was actually a speaking engagement for me. And I, I was, again, um, I mentioned that because that was at that point in time, that's the first time I had really heard people were talking about this idea of this health pandemic. We never imagined, you know, there's four or 500 superintendents from around the nation and we never imagined it would become what it eventually became. Right. And so, uh, I say that because up until that point, um, you know, I had about 12 or 13 years of superintendent experience under my belt. I um, never want to say I was never want to say I was comfortable in the job, but simply um, was uh, liked where we were as a district. Um, sure. And 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 I mention all of that because COVID was unlike anything I'd ever been a part of before. Yeah. Um, and um, I I can say here that um, and comfortable Drew saying this that if if the um, the characteristics of what it was like to lead through COVID, if those still existed today for the first time in my career, I, I literally thought, I I don't know if I can do this at at this pace. Um, what, what COVID brought to the forefront again, in, in, even in our state was the idea of political unrest. And, um, you know, my dad had a saying growing up and I hated it, Drew, but it's, it's, it goes something like this, that the full character of a man is on display when he is told no. And so I, I mention that because wow. um, up to this point in time, when people had been told no, there, there was amicable disagreement. People mm. would, as always, um, would provide their opinions and feedback. And it was um, both sides of the political aisle. Um, and um, having said that, and people that know me well um, know that I, I am a conservative. Um, mm. And um, and so, again, I only mention that for a standpoint that um, conservatives as well as uh, liberals on both sides of the aisle were nasty. Mm. Um, and it just created everything seemed to be 51-49. Yeah. Um, and there just was... there just was no wins for a two year period and not that we do this job for wins, but the students weren't winning either. And, um, so it was, it was a, it was an extremely difficult time to navigate. People have asked me in the past, what's the toughest thing about being a superintendent? Um, and again, having done this for 15 years for me, it is navigating conflicting interests. Um, you know, parents, you know, when you start thinking about all of your stakeholders with your, your unions, we have two unions, um, our students, parents, community members, media, all those board members, all those things. And there's all these interests. And a lot of times those conflict with yeah. one another and how well a superintendent or leader navigates those at the end of the day really determines um, how much longevity he or she is going to have yeah. and how much influence that they're going to have as well. Yeah. The, the, the reason I mentioned that is because there was never a time in my career that there was so much dissension and so much need for navigation than the COVID-19 pandemic. Yeah. And it was, uh, to be honest, it was exhausting yeah. and, uh, physically, emotionally, 
Um, and um, I, I am, I'm glad we're through it. Mm-hmm. Um, one of those things that it's really from the educational world highlighted some things. Um, and there's been some things we've drawn from COVID and some things we realized we're not going to do anymore that we yeah. did before. And so we've learned some lessons, some positive things, some, some thing, we learned some things the, the wrong way, but um, we're better for it, for going through it. But it's one of those that I don't want to do again. Right. Yeah. Well, and even just being here um, on site <clears throat> at uh, Sterling High School in the, in the district office, and you can hear in the background just the, the joyous sounds mm-hmm. of students here on site and stuff. Uh, how, how does that make you feel now, yeah. kind of come to this side? Being back to, I, I don't know if we can ever say normal, because what's normal? Every day right. is different, whatever. But the 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 amount of connectivity, uh, in-person life, how does that uh, affect you now in your day-to-day workday? Well, um, I, I really do see myself as a servant leader, and people can um, can call me on it if they want, but it's the reality. I, I really believe I work for our students. Mm-hmm. Um, I tell them that. I, I we, we value student voice. Um, and um, having said that, um, hearing them talk about the pandemic was where my heart uh, ached, mm. just to hear their stories. Um, and, um, you know, there, there are so many great families in Sterling, um, but it's also important for us to realize in every community, but Sterling alike, uh, we have um, students who the safest, the best, whether it be educationally the best, being loved the best place they can be is at school. Wow. And, um, those, and so, um, and and we saw the, and have seen the ramifications of that post pandemic. Yeah. And, um, uh, especially at our elementary levels, um, because uh, those students are not at a maturity level yet where they are regulating their emotional states and things of that nature. And, and again, this is my personal opinion. The, the, the best thing that came out of uh, COVID-19 for public schools is the need that our society has for them. Mm. That we saw um, how valuable um, public schools are to, and, and, and again, I'm tooting our own horn in, in, in terms of being a public school. But what we've seen, um, because we were not involved, and again, um, Every community has scenarios that uh, are, are, this is certainly no different than anybody else, but um, it, it just reminded me uh, how important public schools are um, to um, our societies and, and they're really, really important. Yeah. And so you, you mentioned uh, that you, you met your wife, Uh, both y'all were were teaching. Mm -hmm. And so tell me a little bit about the kind of journey of how did how did you get into public education to end up now as a superintendent? And then, and then maybe why did you choose uh, more of the administrative role on the superintendent side than in the in teaching in the classroom? So uh, that's a funny, interesting story because literally this morning I um, was meeting with um, the CEO program at Whiteside Area Christian in Dixon and was telling this story because I asked this was asked this exact same question when I was their age and in, in eighteen years of age, as I had mentioned, I. I had one aspiration and that was to play collegiate basketball. That was Mm. my dream. That was my career. I still remember to this day, the very first day of summer basketball practice and um, thinking, what the heck have I done? Realizing my talent level versus uh, my teammates and and so forth and realized, okay, it was, it it was a a depressing moment, um, but a life altering one in that, okay, I'm not going to do this for a living. And for whatever 
arrogance and 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 um, inabilities that I had to to understand that. I, I don't know why, but it, it took that event. And so I say that because um, I I was a political science and history major. Mm and a an English minor in college. And I literally got my degree by accident. Um in in sense that my I, I was going to to college really as an athlete. Yeah. Um and what I, I didn't play a lot in college because I, I, I just wasn't I, I made the mistake of going to um a really successful program and should have gone to a smaller like division three school. Sure. Um you would have had a few more opportunities. I had and, a lot of opportunities, but yeah. that was my path and so having said that, um, I got my degree and literally did not want to be in politics, was not interested in in writing, being working in the music, didn't have a teaching certificate. Mm. Um, and so I moved to Arizona, um, moved in with my sister and her and her husband. <coughs> Excuse me, I laugh at that. I didn't think about that, Drew, until I was married. <laughs> Excuse me. A couple of years later, and thought, "What in the world was my sister thinking?" Right. They were they were newlyweds, but <laughs> newlyweds and know, inviting and, in and their, yeah. their their young twenty, fresh out of college. Yeah. Oh, sure, kid brother can come stay with us. Yeah. Right. And I just so I we laughed at that. Um, anyway, um, I started at that time. Um, I was working part time jobs. Mm. I, I really was kind of trying to find my way, um, and I started working in youth programs um, there when I was in Yuma, and I realized. Man, I I'm really passionate about working with youth, mm. um, and so at that point in time, I realized, or at least I thought, that my path was not playing in college, but was coaching in college. Mm. So swing number two at my career was okay. I have to have a master's degree in order to coach in college, um, and so um, I came back to Eastern Illinois University at that time, finished my degree, got my teaching certificate. Um, became a high school basketball coach and then got in. I was an assistant at Lincoln Trail Junior College at the time. Um, my daughter had been born mm. um, that year. We had two kids. Um, I remember recruiting. Um, I uh, It was not what I anticipated that it was mm. going to be. And uh, I remember sitting in a gym in Detroit, Michigan, and um, thinking, what in the world am I doing? Mm. And so just just kind of those life moments um, where God kind of taps you on the shoulder. And so at that point, um, my wife, I, I was kind of floundering a little bit professionally. My wife was from Wisconsin. We were living in Southern Illinois and she said she'd really like to get closer to home. Mm. And so um, I had completed my administrative degree um, because it was one of two programs that and I was an education major that and my dad was a principal and he just said, you know, it's okay. a degree you can use. It didn't matter what your master's degree was in to coach. And so that was my degree. And I thought, and, and I guess to tie this all together, Drew, and sorry for the diatribe, but the reality is, is I had always been a leader. I yeah. was captains of my team and, and things like that. And all those pieces along the way really built the scaffolding for me to get into education. Mm. Um, and so I applied here in 1999 um, to be the assistant principal here at, at, Sterling. at Sterling High School. Okay. Um, they hired my wife as a chemistry teacher and uh, me as the assistant principal. And um, and in fact, uh, Mrs. Coster was on the interviewing committee. Fun okay. fact there. So blame her. Yes. Um, if uh, you <laughs> for me being here. Um, sure. sure. <clears throat> but uh, anyway, uh, that just 
um, led to, and I, I came into education in 99 and in the state of Illinois, that would really was a time where there was lots of aging educators. Mm. And so, um, really a, a great time to get into education. I, I spent two years here and then I uh, was at our middle school for three years as the principal. Um, people were retiring left and right, and they just had lots of, of, um, areas for improvement and yeah. uh, advancement, I guess I should say. Um, and so I, at that point in time, um, I was our middle school principal and they, Eastern Illinois university called me and said, Hey, congratulations. You're the recipient of, um, our, uh, Ruth Stallings, uh, scholarship award. I hadn't applied. I hadn't, it was, um, the head of the department just said, Hey, uh, we think you're a candidate for superintendency. So I had a scholarship for did someone put your name in the hat or mm-hmm. something like that. Yeah, okay. they sure did. Wow. And so one of my professors did. And so that was the only reason that I, I truly pursued beyond a master's degree. Sure. So I got my superintendent's endorsement, which was my second master's, which gave me, um, the op- and, and at that point, then a district office position opened up and they said, Hey, you know, you have your super Attendance certificate. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Why don't you come into? And so I came into the HR position. Then I was our assistant soup, and I was I was planning on doing that for a long, long time. And wow. Then our superintendent, Dr. Booker, at the time um, retired, and it just kind of I I, I I I literally Drew had to have people tell me, "Hey, you should apply for this." No, wow. no, no. I'm 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 okay here. Wow. Um, because the the drawback for me was I had three young kids at the time yeah. I did superintendents in that era rotated every two to three years. And mm. I did the last thing I wanted was to be moving my family around my life goal. And the irony of this podcast today has simply been to invest, you know, m- me and my family to invest in a yeah. small community such as this. And yeah. so that's what got me here. Wow. So it's interesting too to kind of hear a little bit of um, you, you've got, you've got the story of, um, walking through doors that are opened to you and finding out, you know, which doors are opened by having them kind of close on you a little bit too. Kind Definitely. of some of your early, you know, journey into the athletic field. And it's, it's really fortuitous. And, you know, I mean, maybe someone would say grace of, you know, having your dad say, well, get that, get that administrative mm-hmm. credential. You sure. know, kind of think because sure that might come in handy someday. Yeah. But then that opened doors into, you know, like you said, being being assistant principal here at the high school, overseeing the middle school in a time of turnover on your staff. And so that gives you immediate tons of uh, experience in hiring, in forming teams and things like that, and then kind of becoming that superintendent. So tell me a little bit, why uh, was it just the the rule of thumb or the habit of previous superintendents to rotate so much? What made it different that you've stuck around for 15 years now? I, I honestly can't answer that, Drew, but I, I just saw a stat. Um, the IASA stands for the Illinois Association of School Administrators. That's the superintendent's sure. professional um, organization in the state of Illinois. Um, and the IASA um, put out a stat that the average um, over the last five years, the average superintendent's tenure has been 2.1 years oh. at a at a location, and and again, I um, don't want to sound boastful in any. It it it's a difficult job, especially yeah. again during COVID because of yeah. the political unrest that we mentioned before, yeah. and so it's a situation where, <clears throat> um, 
it is, um, there's a, there's a superintendent saying, and, and, um, if any of my bosses hear this, this is just a superintendent saying, not me saying it, (laughs) but there's no job in the world like having seven bosses who rotate every two years who don't like each other. And there's one other one and don't know your business. Don't work in your business. Now, again, that's a superintendent saying, and the reality of that answers a little bit of this question in the sense that having seven bosses is, can really be challenging. Again, I I mentioned the toughest thing about being a superintendent is navigating conflicting interests. Yes. And so, um, the point in that is, is simply, um, being able to, to navigate ever changing, Mm. um, climate, culture, bosses, Mm. um, and in a state such as Illinois, you know, you have ever, uh, ever changing, uh, funding, um, uh, curricular changes and things yeah. of that nature. And so um, being able to um, to navigate those things truly, as we talked about, and I've just been extremely blessed and um, to have amazing people to work with mm-hmm. and work for. My boards of education have been in it for the right reasons. I've heard my peers as superintendents talk about um, board members that get on for their own individual interests and things of that. And I've just been honestly, extremely blessed um, to be able to work with amazing people that have our kids and our community's best interest at heart. And I don't say that um, lightly at all. It's mm. been, uh, it, again, it's been grace only that, is, yeah. that has allowed that to happen. Well, and, and, you know, for someone like yourself who has been here in the community, um, has invested here in the Sauk Valley, um, raised your family here, stayed here, uh, it's it's obvious your love for this area. Tell me a little bit about like what 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 makes the Sauk Valley a place that's worth investing in. Why have you uh, put down roots for the long haul here? So um, we were talking a little bit off air about this, and I um, um, again earlier in my career uh, was recruited. Um, we call it East Recruitment, um, suburban uh, Chicago. Okay. Um, for superintendents is um, financially much more lucrative than mm. um, out here in the western part of the state. I mentioned that only because um, early in my career, um, those were probably things that um, enticed me more. Yeah. Um, but again, completely by blessing and grace, um, I, 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 I matured. Um, and realize what's really important. And I talked about what my real goal was. Mm. And it simply was to invest in a community, a small community such as this. So um, having said that, um, here's what I can tell you what I, and I, we recruit people to this area all the time. So this is like a canned speech because we, I mean, these are the things that are the truth, but, but, but I talk about constantly. I love the fact that first of all, I had three kids go through our school system. Mm-hmm. And the reality is one of my favorite things to do, Drew, is to talk to our graduates when they're in college and or they don't have to be in college, but our graduates and just ask them, you know, what things were you not prepared for when you left high school? Oh yeah. And the answers that have come back have led us curricularly. They've led us cultural changes, things of that nature, because they're wow. very honest at that point. And so <laughs> right. I, there's no grade hanging over their head no, anymore. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the, so uh, again, it's not number one, but as one of the, we have an amazing school system mm. here in, in Sterling. Um, and that, 
rivals those um, further east of us. And I'm very, very proud of that. And the example I talk about is with my own kids. Mm-hmm. The, the preparedness that they were for college um, really makes me as a proud dad and a proud superintendent. We, yeah. have, great, we have great healthcare here. Um, with CGH, we have an amazing park district here. Mm-hmm. Um, Woodlawn Arts Academy. Um, it's a safe, secure community. It's like any other community. I mean, it has, it's not perfect by yeah. any means. But so in, in all those things, what I love about Sterling, it is an amazing place to raise a family. Mm. And if that's your priority, we are in a safe, small town, great schools, great health care. You, you have options of everything in Sterling. And yet an hour away, you can go and be in the Quad Cities. Yeah. You can be in, in Naperville. You can be in, in Rockford. Two hours away, be in one of the best cities in the world. So to me, Sterling is a perfect place. Um, now, none of my three kids live here because they needed to see the bright lights sure. and they're out on the East Coast. Sure. Um, and it's just interesting as, as we talk about that and this topic, now they're in their mid to late 20s and now they're kind of talking about how those family values, mm. those things, and, and whether they'll ever get back to Sterling, but those small town feels yeah. are much different now that they're married, yeah. having children, and that's where I was um, many years ago. Yeah, and, and that's and that's kind of, I mean, one of the things that's been great talking to people through this podcast and just as I've been moving here and uh, new but becoming a local um, is hearing the stories of the people who have decided I'm going to invest in this area. It's, 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 there's a lot of people who love this area and appreciate what it has to offer. Mm -hmm. But then there's others who say, I'm actively working to make it better, or I'm actively working to um, uh, increase the good things that I see. Um, And so for someone like yourself, who, who is on that list of someone who's been investing in this area, investing in the next generation investing in recruiting and hiring good teachers for this school district to be pouring into, you know, the children of the next generations, things like that. Um, where do you see still need maybe in the area or, or, or if you, as you look out on the, the landscape of the soft Valley, what would be something that you would change? Well, um, before I answer that, there are two other things that I just completely mental fog. Cause when you're as old as I am, I guess that happens. I love the restaurants of Sterling. Okay, yeah. And truly, and I know we talked about this, there are so many uh, worship opportunities in Sterling. I mean, Mm. there really are. Um, And those are two things, as we talk to people that we're recruiting, that, again, um, um, Mm multi-denominations. And and so you can, and again, the restaurants here are fantastic. That's true. um, And and for a small community, just love it. so to answer your question, what's interesting is um, <clears throat> if you had asked me that question probably two to three years ago, I would have jumped on it and I would have shouted and, and screamed. And, and again, for me, um, having been a what I would consider a longtime um, community member here now since 1999, mm-hmm. the, the big issue that I had um, was throwing the one and real only, uh, I guess two, the quality of our streets were deteriorating, mm. our infrastructure, but the other issue was the uh, riverfront. Yeah, um, it, we we were seeing impact of that for recruitment yep. as we were trying to bring people in from outside of of our community 
And again, as you come across, if they're coming from the the interstate, bringing them across the the bridge, and we would, you know, there were just people that were turning our jobs down because they they thought that Sterling was a, an extremely dilapidated, yeah. blighted community. If and that it, if that is your your first uh, first impression, right. driving into town, it does it does put a, a certain image in your mind mm-hmm. of oh, this is just one of those Midwest towns that uh, time has moved on past. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And um, uh, was a blue-collar town at one time, and now, to your point, uh, um, Father Time has, has moved on to the next uh, Midwestern city. And it's not that. It's, no. it's vibrant, um, has great people. And so that was, <coughs> excuse me, for me, if you would have asked me that question two years ago, that was a major concern. Yeah. Um, and I give um, the city a, a lot of credit that they have really been making strides in that area. And I think over the next uh, three to five years, I mean, we have plans now as a city. Um, and um, I think we'll see some some significant changes mm. in, in that arena. Um, and um, um, I'm trying to remember, um, my wife and I were up in Wisconsin uh, last year. Um, we headed up to a Green Bay uh, Packers uh, football game, and we stopped in Oshkosh. I'm sorry, oh. R- Rivertown in in and my goodness, if, and those of that have, have been there understand what I'm getting ready to say, and that is that's a river town, just like ours. Yeah, and their river walk and downtown area is awesome. Yeah, and I'm like, man, this this is this, if we only had that. And yeah. so I just say that because. The the one that is the only thing that I can say negative about Sterling because it has I know and we've we've known it internally it has kept candidates from from coming here and experiencing the great things of Sterling and that's fixable that's yeah. that's one thing that's that's that is fixable and so yeah. that's uh, that's where I um, my it's my only issue and I've 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 spoken that verbally or I, I verbally said that um, and publicly sorry. Um, and so, um, I, I give kudos to our city. They've really done some, uh, made some nice strides in those areas. Sure. Sure. What gives you hope about this area when you look out and I mean, not just like, Oh, Hey, uh, <clears throat> we, we've talked about what are the good things, but when you see, uh, hope or joy in this area, what, what comes to mind when, when I prompt that? No doubt the people of this community. Um, and I know that's kind of, you know, a, a probably a, a popular answer, but so, and here's, here's how that plays out. We, when we travel, when we travel to watch our kids play softball, basketball, football, I get so many comments about how well our community travels. Wow. And, um, you know, we'll go play schools that are much bigger than us in postseason play and things like that. And we bring two to three times the amount of people and again, you know, just the fact that they're supporting, but it's just one example of the support. There's not, to my knowledge, ever been anything that we've done in this community. Um, and I serve on our YMCA board of directors. I'm on the Greater Sterling Development Corp um, uh, board of directors, our Sterling Schools Foundation board of directors. So, I, so involved in lots of community members. But anytime anybody needs anything, asks for anything, um, the amount of giving that occurs, whether it be at our church, at our Y, is just phenomenal. Yeah. And so that's done with giving hearts and giving people. And, and yeah. you know, so what gives me hope? No doubt. It's the people of this community that continue 
to go above and beyond to do the things that are needed to be done to make this a great community. I, I don't know if you've seen it. I was just uh, this past Saturday, I was out uh, at our wood shop, which sits adjacent to the food bank. Okay. Mm-hmm. And there are, gosh, 50 plus cars in line at our food bank. And the reason I mentioned that for the hope is, is the large number of volunteers that they have doing that yeah. on a Saturday from, you know, whatever, eight to noon or whatever their times are. And, and, you know, just the reality of that, the, the pancake breakfast was right. You know, and again, those are just uh, communities have those and, yep. and I understand, but for us, the hope is that there's always people willing to step up. Yeah. And there's always people that are donating their time, their talents, and again, their support. And we see it as a school and we feel it yeah. as a school. Um, we have great parental involvement. Mm. And so, again, all those are example of the people who invest in this community. And that's why it's a really special place. Yeah. Yeah. No, so well said. I, even just <clears throat> moving here um, and being new to the area, uh, I, I've I've felt and been a recipient of the the community kindness, mm-hmm. you know, uh, the the willingness to uh, pause what you're doing in order to give your time or your attention to someone else, the willingness to to sit and visit a little, mm-hmm. you know, rather than rushing off to the next thing. Um, even even driving uh, around uh, the streets of Sterling, uh, I was looking for. Uh, Kilgore Park with my kids one time, okay. and my my <clears throat> GPS was not working, and I'm like, this is not a big enough town where I should be getting lost in. But you know, when you're <laughs> yeah, new to the sure. area, you know, and uh, all the all the streets that go north south are numbered, and all the streets that go east west are also numbered, and so that doesn't really avenues and streets. Yeah, exactly. You, I'm on the corner of first and first. Oh well, boy, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and so for for someone who's new to the area, it's a little difficult. But you know, pulled up, stopped outside of a driveway to. I don't know if they're probably, you know, late teens. So either high school or early college, you know, definitely working on something, loading a truck of some, some sort. And I thought, Hey, can I, and they both put down what they're doing, walked up to the car, greeted me and my kids with smiles Said, Oh yeah, absolutely. You're going to take, but if there's this thing and just so kind. And I was like, wow, that, that is, that is a, a beautiful and genuine thing for uh, strangers in the community to still be willing to, like you said, lend that helping hand, mm-hmm. whether it's in a small way like offering directions or in a bigger way of saying, hey, there's some people who are in need in this time and I've needed a leg up before and mm-hmm. I can turn around and offer the same thing. And so sure. that is an exciting thing uh, to be a, a part of here, here mm-hmm. in this community. And it's exciting to be able to talk with people like yourself who have invested in in that sort of culture as well. Um, so uh, before, we, before we sign off here, uh, if, if someone wanted to get a hold of you or follow up or uh, wanted to kind of follow some of the projects that uh, you're working on or even the school districts are working on, how would people get a, get in touch with you or, or in touch with the school district? Um, well, um, again, school district, uh, we are sterlingpublicschools.org mm-hmm. um, is our website, has contact information. But the best thing I would and recommend to, to those listeners that if they had questions about today or, or anything in particular um, – um, didn't even have to be about today, but our schools and is simply to email me. It's by far the best way to get in, in contact with me. And, and um, that is T Everett at SPS5.org. Um, SPS is of course Sterling Public Schools. So uh, all lowercase T Everett, E-V-E-R-E-T-T at SPS5.org. And right. um, I will definitely get back to you and, and um, 
Um, again, I, uh, I welcome the feedback and, uh, we have, <clears throat> excuse me, we were talking off the air that this is, um, commencing allergy season. And, and, um, so yeah. I felt it today, but, yeah. um, just the, the idea that I love questions, um, when <clears throat> our stakeholders, um, ask those, it, it reminds us of why we do what we do. And, um, so uh, don't ever feel that you're a burden by asking questions. And so I just welcome people to, to reach out. And we are the public school of Sterling, Illinois. And as the community of Sterling, of Sterling we want to represent our community. And so uh, we do that by knowing what's important to our community members. Absolutely. Dad, thank you so much for being on the show today. Really appreciate it. True. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. Absolutely. Well, until next time on the Sock Valley Spotlight, I'm your host, Drew Williams. And let's keep looking for the beauty in this place we call home.